1: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers Podcast, the podcast that's almost as good value as Glenn Kamara. This week on Heart and Hand, Lennon must stay! <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name's David Edgar and I'm joined by two of the elite members, the Scott Arfields of the Heart and Hand team. First of all, the lovely Mr Ian Hogg. Good afternoon, David,
2: and good afternoon, everyone
1: out there. And the splendid Mr Cameron James Bell. Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Ian, and good afternoon to everyone. Now, we... Uh, myself and David Marshall did the, the preview last week on Heart and Hand Extra and both of us were extremely confident um, going for 2-0 and 3-0 victories, um, I was right, he was wrong but um, it, I think that that wasn't, it certainly wasn't bravado, I mean I've been known to chuck in a I think we'll get it but uh, that one was entirely as we'd demonstrated throughout the preview of, nah we're, we're going to win this we're better side than them, we're playing better than them we're, we're going to win and then turning up on the day, Hoggy, to find out that they would be without Tierney and Forrest, two of their better players, to find out that Sands keeper, we pretty much had our first team lineup, and Alfie available to come off the bench, I knew going in there that not only were we going to win, we were going to win well. And every bear I met yesterday didn't get the usual mixture of, oh, you know, I'm not sure or, oh, we're no are not
2: There was none of that. It Just everybody's like, yeah, we're going to win. Um Probably summed up, David, by I was confident mid-last week. When mm. does that ever happen? It does. Um I, I was relatively confident, probably for a few reasons. Uh, one of them being the Lennon factor. Um, and if you're listening, Dermot Desmond, he, he's, he's doing a splendid job. Brilliant. He's in solid. fact, if
1: you don't give him it, you're a bigot because it's well, blatant anti-Irish racism.
2: Absolutely. It's like those bigoted flying coins at Tynecastle.
1: Mm-hmm. Um We can't so,
2: have this. I, I just don't uh, want to live in a country.
1: Where Neil Lennon is not the
2: Celtic manager, so so come on, do the right Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, and and remember, we all feed him.
1: Well, that they're terrified. I mean, I I certainly feed him. I've got I've got a stepdaughter.
2: Well, exactly. I mean, if if, if I was a pregnant woman, I would certainly feed him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was confident during the week because it looked as if we had our full string side bar, as you say, the keeper. Um, we bit worried about Fodderingham and playing and. Uh, maybe Tom Rogic trying shots from outside the box because usually they're like a penalty. Um, but the game started and immediately, and yes, I get we scored ins- inside two minutes. But even in that first sixty seconds, we were up for it. We were sharp. We were hunting in packs. Celtic was just clearing the ball, and that's just inside the first sixty seconds. So it's um, yeah, it was it was confidence before the game. And it turned out for once it wasn't misplaced. I've not felt that confident going into an old firm game, David, since Walter Smith was in charge. Walter, yeah.
1: I'm not into the kinkier side of the porn industry, Cameron. Um, yeah, I'm a traditionalist, right? Naked ladies, maybe getting up to something, but still within the realms of I think what we would we would suggest that our Lord would would accept as as sort of. Procreative behaviour. But if I had been into the kink here, if I was more, say, Germanic in my tastes, we got to see uh, some scat early on when uh, the Celtic fullback Mikael Lustig shot himself. Um, It was to continue throughout the first half, but even in leading up to that goal, Ryan Kent gets the ball, Mikael Lustig defecates and a fouls, uh, foul's made by that wee lad the the YTS boy that they seem to bring out <laughs> High Bronx, that wee tiny guy was his name Mikey something um, and obviously that leads to the goal but as Augie says even from the start probably for the first time I can remember since uh, a lot I mean even beyond that water team they've got a player uh, we've got a player rather that they actually are scared of and that's Ryan Kent
0: Yeah I think so and <clears throat> I think the the approach to yesterday's game for me um, typifies how we celebrated in December. The difference being December was needed, yesterday was expected, and that is probably the the, the, the truest phrase that I can think of in terms of where we're at now when getting into all fun games um, because the team has obviously been playing well and they're up to it. Hoggie's one hundred percent correct. The the whole scenario for the free kit comes around because. Ryan Kent is absolutely hunting down the ball. He stops Lustig's clearance. Mikey Johnson, who has obviously been instructed to do this, one assumes. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Get two on him all the time, yeah. Yeah, so
0: very, very, in, in order to use your, your, your pawn connotation, turned into two Celts, one cup. And, uh, and they filled calls, it. And, he, and he, yep, they absolutely did. <laughs> uh, Kent is brought down and uh, as I say I think the the fact that we started the game in such a high tempo in such a high press the goal bizarrely as this may sound the goal was actually irrelevant because I'm very convinced that even if we hadn't scored the free kick we would have continued with that level of tempo and intensity and that's what won us the game in December and absolutely is what won us the game yesterday
1: Kent didn't have his best game but it's important he was on the field Hoggie, because as I say they, they field him and that meant they kept two on him all the time which Led to more space, but unlike maybe previous Rangers teams, we can use space we're given in these games. And Scott Arfield to the field, day.
2: Yeah, on on Kent, you know, we've not even touched on any of the goals yet, David. You know, on on Ryan Kent, he was all right. I I think you're right. You know, by by some of the performances we've seen from him this season, he was okay. But that whole fear factor is huge. The whole—I uh, mean, Mikael Lustig—we're talking about a Swedish international fullback who has lorded it up here. Let's, he let's, wore a hat once. Absolutely. Let, let's make no bones about it. He's lorded it up here in a way that only good footballers should. Mm. He's basically jumped on the bandwagon to be, you know, captain, captain twat, and um, and he wears that look very well, I have to say. So yesterday he gets torn a new one by Ryan Kent. He gets his wee pal, uh, wee Mikey boy, to basically double up or help double up. Um, Ryan Kent still has the beating of them. Mikael Lustig, incidentally, I'm sure you're going to come to it, David, but I have to mention it here. Mikael Lustig shits the bed that often yesterday that I am in no doubt whatsoever. He then feigns injury when 4'8 Jermaine Defoe beats him in the air.
1: Uh, That was exactly, but we might as well mention that just now, as you say. Um, Second old fun game at Ibrox in a row, Lustig pretends he's injured to get off because he's, as I say, he's dehydrated from the amount of times he's soiled himself. Uh, As you say, when when Defoe then out-muscles him at a header, he goes down, and there's a lovely moment when uh, you see there's a photograph of him holding up eight fingers to Conor Goldson to obviously suggest, you know, we've won the title eight times in a row, and Goldson just pisses himself laughing. I think it's pretty obvious that someone in the Rangers team, maybe Conor Goldson, maybe not, went, oh, you you injured again, are you? And... uh, you know, like we've all chucked a sickie when everyone's known it's a sickie, and you get quite defensive about it, don't you? You're like, No, no, I was genuinely ill, but it's because you know and you know they know that you're at it. Um, no, sorry, you it's not bad luck, Mikhail. You fucking shat it, son.
0: The the, the the failed
1: clearance, as I
0: say, um, when Kent shuts them down so quickly, albeit it's Johnson that gives the foul away, but in the first 90 to 120 seconds. Loose think has already basically conceded the goal because he didn't clear his lines properly in the first instance. Um, and he was just he was out of the game as soon as it kicked off. Basically, um, you, you don't. I'm sorry, but that close to halftime, you don't say I need to come off. Um, and it's brilliant because that's him, Boyata in the game at Parkhead, just very very happy just to go. Oh, do you know what I'm injured? I need to come off. That's uh, that's the bottom line. Um, yeah. no desire to actually get treatment, come back on, etc.
1: Uh, no, he wanted, he wanted it there. He did not oh, want did, to be yeah. in the field. Uh, he, he'll he be seeing Ryan Kent in his dreams. Um, Rangers get the free kick. James Tavernier um, decides to, as he said afterwards, Ryan Kent said to him, smash it in towards the back post, see if it can even maybe go through without a touch. And he said, as soon as I caught it, I knew it was a good one. It The it, 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 pace of it as it flies into the net is what does it. I mean, it absolutely uh, explodes past the goalkeeper into the net. And I was so happy for Tav uh, uh, Hoggy because he's, he's, he's been in the end of some right doings against this mob. And his utter delight when the ball hit the back of the net was, was lovely.
2: It was brilliant. Uh, James Tavenier has grown as a player and grown as a man, I think. Um, he's been on the back of some horrendous performances as a Rangers player and some bad beatings off of that lot. Um, when I think we chucked it, you know, uh, our our players in the park chucked it, I'm thinking the 4-0s and the 5-0s of this time last season. But even before that, you know, when Tabs getting caught out of the back post, two games in a row at Tyne Castle, he's shown mental strength that I didn't believe he ever had. Um, And he's shown real mental strength to become the captain of Rangers. And now I think he's a very... Competent captain, and I've questioned his captaincy basically for 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 the thick end of two years. Um, now I think he's he's a Rangers captain. He's shown that he can come back from that adversity. But the sheer delight on his face, you know, uh, we we all loved it. You got to know he bloody loved it because that was almost you know three years or whatever it is of of angst coming out to play in one big joy moment. It was it was superb it's
0: also also for me slightly more direct and more recent than that as well Ian because you're talking about the guy who I mean you could toss a coin and say who was at fault but I think a lot of people blame Tavernier for the the winner at Parkhead and the ability to brush that off and go into this game and produce that so early on for me I think speaks volumes of the growth that you've just mentioned Um, because he could have went in with I mean we do know that he does have plenty of scar tissue and although the game at Parkhead wasn't a pumping the psychological drama that we had of that because we were in the ascendancy at that time and should have won that game and we ended up losing it due to an error he was involved in I think he deserved it more than anyone else if I'm being honest that goal yesterday and that celebration and, and, um, and that's not even just with everything that's going on it's even the most recent game versus them as well
2: as a no. as, sorry, David, as a complete aside on that, um, I think James Tavernier deserves special mention for his performances in the past, you know, six, seven games, whatever it is. We've changed shape um, to be able to accommodate uh, Jermaine Defoe, and you know, I now fit Stephen Davis, etc. We've changed shape, and and Tavernier would always get exposed if Kendea either didn't play or wasn't playing well because there was only really one more deep-lying midfielder. So he would tend to be exposed with a two-on-one an awful lot. Now with the change in shape, you can see Tavernier effectively defending in normal circumstances, if you like. There's always a second man nearby if anyone's doubling up on him. And we've lost, what, one goal in the past six games? And I think his defensive showings have gone up a notch. Um... And he just seems a far happier player because
1: of it. Our uh, win in December was the result of a crazy intensity from the players and the fans that day. It was nuts. Um, It was just one of those days, special days, where it caught fire early and everyone was up for it. And it overwhelmed Celtic and Rangers got the result. But yesterday was different. Rangers... Uh, played a different match where they didn't sit off them per se, but they were quite happy for Celtic centre-backs to have the ball. As soon as Celtic brought it in areas that Rangers didn't want them to have it, we took it off them. And the midfield were superb. Uh, Glenn Kamara, Stephen Davis and uh, Ryan Jack. Each of them were winning their individual battles. Celtic uh, initially had gone with, for some reason, a 4-4-2 which gave us the extra man in midfield. They eventually had to change to try and cope with that, but that then meant that basically all they could do in an attacking sense was try and go down the wing and put crosses in, which Rangers just gobbled up with the two centre-halves yesterday I thought were magnificent. So Rangers played a different game yesterday, and I think partially, kami that's due to, you You know, you can't replicate, it's been eight years since we've won in a league game against this mob, we really need it. You know, that was then, this one was more tactical and Steven Gerrard spoke about it afterwards but he said he was in many ways more happy with this one because it was a more controlled display it was a more football display a less emotional display and in that first half uh, if you look at the possession stats for the the whole match um, Celtic had 57% of the ball but Rangers were quite happy for them to have it and all the decent attacking stats are at Rangers because as I say we were your centre halves can have it they're not going to hurt us but as soon as you come into this area we're going to spring and we're going to attack First half, we we maybe struggled on the counter, but in the second half, we shoved Kent in a little more, and that meant when Rangers broke, it was him, in our field, and we caused them no end of problems. Yeah, the,
0: I, I think that this is a difference between what we saw, and I was standing next to Hoggie in the game in December, and I'm sure you will remember me saying to him, we can't maintain this level of press across the park for 90 minutes, it just can't happen. Um... Fortunately, we, we, we managed because I think, I mean, as we as we spoke about at the time on the pod, um, the manager had said, I just need the boys to empty the tank. I just need them to give everything and then they can take a break, which obviously, albeit the league is over, we, we, we couldn't have done yesterday. We didn't have to do because we didn't need to control the entire park. We just needed to control probably about 70% of it because the 30% that we were happy for Celtic to have was probably from their goal line to probably I would say about uh, 40 yards forward. But as long as we maintained the press from the start of their half and maintained it through all of ours, it was far quicker. And the difference for me as well was we've probably now looked against Celtic um, that we haven't we haven't treated the ball like a hot potato. We haven't had to pass it about, and it's just the case of getting it to someone quickly in order to. Yesterday we recycled the ball. Yes, it's a wanky phrase, but we did it. Um we gave it to players who were able to play a shorter pass just to frustrate any kind of press that Celtic tried to replicate against us. Um but we had the the control and the structure to be able to shut down players when it was necessary, but just allow them to have the ball when, you know, that was acceptable. Um it was just far, far better managed. It was far better managed by the players. There's absolutely no doubt to my mind that Stephen Davis's recent upturn the form benefited us massively yesterday. Um that's why we wanted him. That's why we brought him back to Ibrox. It's why we've extended his contract. But for me, this is where um that's when he comes into his own yesterday, was been able to control the tempo, control the pace. Ryan Jack, um, fade off of that a lot for me. He he was able to to really get um, some some good uh, partnership building up alongside Davis yesterday. Uh, Kamara was superb as well. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got three, well, a front wave really of three attackers, all of whom can connect brilliantly. Um, it just worked all over the park, David. There wasn't a single player that came off yesterday. And I'll include Fodringham in that as well, by the way, who couldn't have looked themselves in the mirror and changed him and said... You know, I've done my absolute utmost today and deserve that victory.
1: I think then uh, as we went into the second half, the only concern is that always is an old fun game, we're only one up. Um but Rangers, as I say, I, I thought played even better in the second half, and Celtic just looked utterly devoid of, of ideas and, and energy. Um Rangers looked very comfortable. Edward obviously was a quality player, but I felt that Big Katic... Handled him expertly and when we just did get a second goal, it was a thing of, of supreme quality. Uh, lovely feat from Glenn Kamara to, to get away from Scott Brown, takes it back and then just dances away from him with a beautiful turn. He then threads a the ball through to Jermaine Defoe who for some reason, sixth sense, I don't know either, or, or incredible uh, peripheral vision. Leaves it, knows to leave it, just steps over it. Uh, You don't get an assist for that, but you really should get half an assist, I think. And uh, as he steps over it, that that ball goes. Beautiful angle as well. Just absolutely in between the Celtic centre-back and the goalkeeper. In his running, with a trademark run, Scott Arfield, he gets on the end of it. We slide and finish, kind of reminiscent of the one that uh, Nikita Jelovic got in the 2011 League Cup final. But uh, none of this post- and off both posts nonsense. It was just straight into the back of the net. Ibrox explodes, and even with what twenty five minutes to go, Hoggy, that I, we knew. How's oh, was We're done.
2: Oh, the game was done. Uh, absolutely at that point. I mean, uh, we 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 pressed really hard in the first half. Yes, we let them have the ball, um, especially the two centre halves because. I, I, you know they're they're not great pass uh, passers of the ball, so we we'll let them have it. As soon as it went out wide, we're we're pressing on top of them. The second half, I think, as you as, as you said, it was far more about controlling the game. It was about winning the ball back when we've got the ball. Let them have it, but win the ball back and then let them press and use the energy. And all we did, even even though they were matching us up in midfield by that point, we were just passing triangles around them. Um, lovely to see. And that second goal, um, an absolute explosion of noise. Where you get the first one, the first one's like a surprise. And, and you know, this, the crowd are quite excitable around it. The second one is a build-up of, we know that's coming. But you've still got that fear factor of, it is only one. So when it comes, it's relief, it's expectation, it's joy. Um, and there's a magnificent photo. Uh, I think it was uh, maybe Willie Vassitt took it. I don't know. Of uh, as Scott Arfield goes away on his knees, saluting the crowd. There's a young boy standing up on top of the top of the wall, uh, and the 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 Sandy Garden stand, saluting them back. And I, I I think I read earlier that Rangers are going to send the boy a printed copy of that uh, magnificent photo. And uh, yeah. but just just sums up the whole moment of um, and we talked about this in December we talked about a support and a team in harmony. And it, it sounds as if I'm going to start going overboard any minute. I'm I, 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 I I'm not. I will come on to why later. Um, but at that point, it just felt as if that's deserved. The crowd are with us. Uh, the players are all playing well. Um, this, this is our Rangers. This is what Rangers should be.
0: Um, yeah, there's a great um, clip which has been um, doing the rounds in social media. I think I retweeted it, actually, uh, which talks about that segment of play, that that bit that Ian was just talking about there, where um, it's all crowd noise. There's no commentary in the back of it. And there's a great, brilliant kind of burst of applause and exclaim as um, Kamara does the turn. And there's this wonderful moment of disbelief and probably just this incredulity of what Defoe's done by the dummy. And it isn't until, and we all probably had the same emotion watching it live, that as the ball then feeds through to our field, he obviously then scores. But as soon as that ball slips through, everyone in the crowd appreciates what's happened, like what what, what Defoe has done. And it's just this wonderful delay. If you can watch that, just again, say without commentary, just listen to the crowd, it, it's goosebumps. It really is. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think that... I think that... Uh, I think that... It was just such a, a wonderful moment. And as I say, Rangers then sort of cantered into the victory. Now, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean all that much in terms of the league title. Um, uh, unfortunately, we could, uh, you know, enjoy the win, but Celtic are still the champions and fair play to we play at them. We can't take that away from them. But I'd like to speak a little bit about the evolution of this team. And I think you can chart the evolution of this side through the four old four matches this season. And the first one... Although there were uh, extenuating circumstances, Rangers were just off the plane from Ufa and nine men, all that kind of stuff, and decided, um, as the manager has later admitted, the players simply couldn't really, they didn't have the energy levels to do anything else, but decided to set off Celtic, try and defend, try and hold on, and and were undone by a a foul on Ryan Jack. Uh, uh, I still think he could have done a bit better, but still undone by a, a breakaway goal, And lost the match. But in that match, Rangers were timid. Rangers, you could tell, they they didn't believe. And again, the manager at the Q&A that I went to a couple of months ago at Ibrox, he said, you know, that game, I could tell the week leading up to it, I thought, they don't think they're going to win this. Um, And it was noticeable because there had been too many that had been gubbed. And you could see that, but then the second one comes along, Rangers under pressure in the league, know that the, the fans were on their back and turn in one of their best performances this season. Absolutely brilliant. Just get in Celtic's face, show no fear. Take the confidence from that into the next old firm game where the game is a very scrappy one to start with. Um, and Rangers, uh, by their own admission, you know, they, they lose a goal, they go a goal, uh, they, they go a man down when Morelos goes nuts. And then at half time the manager reorganises them. They have a chat about what they're doing wrong and go out and play very well and are very unfortunate not to win the game, uh, never mind to, to lose it. And then on on Sunday, there was just this supreme confidence in the side. And it struck me that throughout the season, this, this fear factor has evaporated. It's gone now. You can see that. You could see it in the last Old Firm match, but you could certainly see it yesterday. You've got players like Arfield who clearly have no respect at all for Celtic uh, in a good way. And for the first time in a long time, there's a player who has got under Brown's skin more than he's got under theirs. And you can tell Brown just despises Arfield, who just laughs at him constantly uh, and takes the ball off him and past him. And you can tell Arfield thinks you're a goon and I'm better than you. And he, he continually proves it. You can tell Kent thinks he's better than them Goldson, etc. And for me, that that charts the evolution of this team from this slightly timid, you know, knowing they were capable of good stuff, but also very quick to go, ah, oh, you know, it's no other day, or or, or oh, we, we're not going to get the win here. And I think you can see the growth in the side throughout the season, the growth in the manager as well in terms of his, his tactical ability and what he's learned about these matches. And I was very encouraged by that because, as I say, I think from the team that went into the first Old Firm match at Parkhead thinking we are not going to win this, up against an opponent who thought we are going to win this. I think that that has come much closer now.
2: Well, if you look at um, if you look even twelve months ago, David, I would chart the evolution from there. You know, we heard I heard plenty of chat from some of our esteemed mainstream media um, chaps telling us that Rangers haven't progressed this season. Well, 12 months ago, we played them twice in the space of a few weeks and we we were on an aggregate score of 9-0. We on Um, 19-0. We we played them at Parkhead, I think. As you said, we were timid and really... Really, it didn't even get a shot on target, really. Um, Then we played them December, a few weeks ago, and today. And every single game has brought the fear factor down has our players believing that we're better than them, some of them, has seen the emergence and the mental strength of other players. Like jo- Whoever believed that John Flanagan would be playing a pivotal role in an old-firm win, for example, uh, and Nicola Katic at that. Um, and if we go a year ago, then to, on to early September, when we're being goaded and, fr- you know, our, our 800 fans are being goaded by Celtic players. Um We went into yesterday's game believing we could win. The players went in believing they could win. They emptied their guts and we went after them with a real controlled performance. The biggest thing I can say about yesterday, David, is we've gone from a year ago or even nine months ago, whenever it was, of making them look way, way better than they are, to yesterday, Celtic's best player was an auxiliary left-back who looks like Deadpool's scrotum. Mm. For Honestly, for me, that's the biggest transition, that yes, we've come on so much, but look what we're doing to the other side in terms of there's not much respect going that way when beforehand we were treating them and Aberdeen and whoever else like Real Madrid. Now there's not. Now you're seeing the growth of a team. And I hope that, yeah, it was a magnificent performance. And um, I've tweeted that I felt it was in reality as easy a win over Celtic as I've really known. And it was a nice day and all the rest of it. But now we've got to kick on. Otherwise, we do become Martin Ramsey's uh, fear of we become effectively Tommy Burns Celtic.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, On Johnny Hayes, uh, I think he looks like see if Stephen Davis had a nut allergy and you made him eat a Snickers I think that's that's what Johnny Hayes looks like I think it's like a before and after for anaphylactic shock but he uh, yeah right he was probably their best player they, they just didn't turn up at all and uh, it, it was a, a well deserved uh, as I say stroll really for Rangers by the end and uh, yep a victory was secured now Kami we we've talked a lot now before people get upset that we haven't mentioned their particular favourite uh, let's just caveat this by saying I thought all of the players played really well special mention to Katic and Wes who you know uh, uh, has had some some poor outings against them but I have to pick out, as I say, the first of all, the midfield triumvirate, who were superb, uh, as we've mentioned. Uh, Kamara at the game, I came out and I, I, people were raving about him and I wasn't quite so sure because there were a couple of periods where he was giving the ball away that had stuck in my mind. But watching the game back overall, he was superb. But um, for me, Scott Arfield has been... Absolutely sensational since he got his role changed a little And I think partially it was because when we were playing with him as one of a three He had a lot more defensive work to do Obviously he had to you know get back and he had to be uh, chasing about and closing men down Now he has freedom and he has the ability to float into space To play between the lines Really absolutely everything we'd be missing all season yeah, I mean he is. I mean he's he's really come on. to Um
0: I think his his connection with Defoe has really shown within the last few games. I've got to believe. I have to believe that he obviously gives out what I've got to assume is a lung buff and scream to the in order to leave that ball that he dummies, which leads up to his goal. Um, and I was really pleased for our field yesterday because in the game in December, he was really unlucky not to get a goal himself. He obviously had some some very good chances at the time. What I love about Scott Arfield and what he does within All firm games, and, and we touched on it earlier on, is he gives Scott Brown absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Scott Brown could turn around in his kitchen tomorrow and expect to see Scott Arfield standing there. Mm. Um, and it's exactly what we've needed because um, I am not going to say because we are you know, not certain other podcasts or mainstream media's that Scott Brown is not a good player. I'm sorry, you don't achieve his levels of success unless you've got some modicum of talent. The problem I've had with what I've seen from Scott Brown in the last few years is we've made him look good. We've made it look easy for him. He's been able to stand at Hamden and take the piss out of Ian Black. And he's, he's done virtually nothing in some of the thumpings that Celtic have given us. But he's just strolled it because no one has taken up against him. Scott Arfield absolutely does that to a plum with him. And he does it 120%. Because he despises Scott Brown and I think he, don't get me wrong, I think there's a mutual, somewhat gentlemanly respect for the fact that he's a fellow professional. Beyond that, I don't even think he, he treats him with any kind of real regard whatsoever. Um, that is unfair to say that that's one of only a key number of aspects of his game. But for me, it's the most favourite one that I see in old firm games. The ones that I see outside of games against Celtic are where he has the vision to be able to create space and um, open up opportunities. His finishing is predominantly excellent for the role he's playing, um, but he just has a tremendous vision of where else to be able to try and and see other opportunities throughout the uh, throughout the, the pitch. He is playing further forward now because obviously his partnership with the four. I'm very very comfortable with that. Very very comfortable with that. Um, and if we can utilise that as an option next season, then I, I, would be, I would be absolutely an advocate of being able to see that moving forward. In old fun games, if all we had to do was say to Scott Arfield, just take Scott Brown out of the game, just remove him from the reckoning, I genuinely think Arfield would be, would be totally happy at that. Um, and it's great to have someone with that level of dig again, that level of grit to say, listen, mate, you're going to kick me and I'm going to kick you. And whoever wins wins this game, and that's it. That's as basic as it gets. But that's all it that has to happen. Um, and I love that about. Them.
1: I think in the past, Hoggy, gave it Rangers teams of the last few seasons. Um, nice guys, generally managed by you know nice, decent chaps, uh, have been shocked when they've come up against Celtic at the level of uh, on-field hatred. You know, uh, at the level of commitment and. Uh, <sighs> if you like, and will to win and sheer dislike. I remember there was one match we were playing against them during the constant coughings. and one of our players, I forget who it was, he went to help up Patrick Roberts, the Celtic player who basically told him to, to fuck off. And I thought that that sums up the difference. They they for them this is everything. This is war. They they have to win. For us, we treat it like, you know, a big football match. I think that that's something the gaffer has absolutely instilled in the side and has been helped by having guys like Garfield who get it and guys like Goldson who get it and then bringing in someone like Davis who gets it. And I think that you've seen that spread throughout the side all season.
2: We went through a whole period of nice guy managers uh, and estate agents, let's not forget the bold Pedro. Um, And we went through a whole period of nice guy players or wannabe hard men. Um, who can ever rem- who could ever forget Ian Black, um, and we all know as fans that the old respect of the old days, and I'm thinking your John Greggs and your Billy McNeills, and even in the eighties and probably the nineties when you know, things maybe get ramped up a little bit, but it wasn't like it is now in terms of total disrespect and total dislike, Um, we have to understand, or the players have to understand, because I'm I'm right, the support does. The support knows that Celtic hold us in complete disregard. They have no respect for us whatsoever. And we went through seemingly a period of about three years, David, where we thought, aye, but we'll cuddle them back into submission. When does that ever happen? It's like a Neville Chamberlain moment. Yeah, it's uh, exactly like that. Yeah. And, you know, Neville Chamberlain has now fucked off. And hopefully we've got a guy with a bit more backbone. And the, I mean, certainly the turnaround a season in terms of um, not treating them with a le- level of respect that they frankly Celtic just don't deserve um, is is great to see. We've been crying out for it for years. Um, since since before the Banty years, probably. Um, and seeing guys yesterday like your like Davis, like Connor Goldson pissing himself laughing at Mikhail Lustig, um, who has clearly shat his drawers. Just that that that's my Rangers. I want bastards and bad guys in the team. I want bastards and bad guys in charge because I, I'm firm advocate of you don't win much with a team of nice guys.
1: No, you don't. Not in Scotland. Certainly not when you're up against this level of hatred. Look, it shocked some of the players that we've had in the past you could see that, but unfortunately that's the reality of the situation. Uh, Speaking of which, Cam, you're a qualified ref. The only bit of controversy was uh, an incident at a corner where uh, just as a Celtic are lining up, take a corner, there's a usual sort of pushing and and shoving in the box. Scott Brown goes to run across uh, John Flanagan. John Flanagan decides that's not going to happen. And um appears to hold him off in a somewhat aggressive fashion, shall we say. The referee sees it, books him. At the time, I must admit, I thought, hmm, that's an odd one. You either, either you saw it, in which case it's a red card, or you didn't see it, in which case it's nothing. And you've just guessed and hedged your bets there. Uh, having seen it back, we try to be honest on here, he got away with one, I think.
0: Yeah, he did, yeah. I don't think... Kevin Clancy saw how bad it was from the angle that he was standing at because he was almost directly behind Brown. Um, don't get it wrong, I mean, I don't think it's the worst elbow in the world, but I think if you are winning an old firm game and you're in a comfortable position um, and you already know how incompetent Scottish referees are, that's a very dangerous game to play um, because I think that he could have given the red card um, and not too many people would have complained outside of the Rangers church. Um, a bit of a silly thing to do. Probably the only blot in Flanagan's uh yesterday because I thought he had an excellent game. Um, but Scott Brown clearly just has a face that people want to hit, whether you're uh, John Flanagan or Alfredo Morelos or Ryan Kent. It's just this is what happens. Um what was interesting um, watching the, the the highlights back again was that the two of them were, were were talking away to each other, and I would love to know what that conversation was. As to whether or not they kind of just brushed it off and gone on with it, but I actually think Brown was trying to act the hard man again, and Flanagan just laughing and smiling at him, just carried on with it, didn't let him get affected by it. Didn't uh, there wasn't a point yesterday as well, and and this is what kind of concerned me more than anything else in previous games was. If he'd picked up the book and he was in a tightrope for the rest of the game. I had no concerns about that whatsoever. Yesterday, Never, ever thought at any point, well, he's going to have to watch what he's, what he's doing here, etc. And that's because Celtic were so weak-willed going forward. Flanagan did his basics and did what he had to, never, ever get called into precarious positions. Uh, but yes, I think we could have seen a red card for that one and it might have been quite difficult for us to defend it on here.
2: I thought it was, uh, it, yeah, it was a red card. Um... I, I'd love to hear the transcript of of what went on because it looked very much the way Flanagan was looking and laughing. It looked as if Scott Brown was doing the whole "oh, that was an elbow, you know, you're getting it" type stuff, and Flanagan laughed and looked to basically give it the whole I "cut my head, that kid," and that's back to that respect or lack of respect that I want our players to show. Incidentally, two two things, David, um, really struck me in the aftermath of that. However. You did have a bit of uh, panty-waiting hysteria from some pundits. Um, isn't it interesting that um, not so long ago, Scott Brown could elbow Alfredo Morelos, Jason Holt, Kenny Miller, and Rangers and Rangers supporters were basically just told to man up. When it happens the other mm. way, it's 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 not. The second thing was the level of knowledge of pundits and ex-professionals. I think the the yeah the the incident really showed out, for example, Tom McManus is on Twitter giving it, oh, it's a red card and a penalty, how can it be a penalty when the ball's not in play, it's just... Yeah, Michael
1: uh, Stewart was the same, they don't know the rules, just, it's that just, simple, they don't
2: know the rules of the game. Just obvious, obvious stuff, but yeah, we got away with one, um, another day he gets a red card, he didn't, what's, what's interesting, however, is... Scott Brown, when he's interviewed after the game Said, yeah, it was a red card But it wouldn't have mattered if we weren't winning the game
1: See, that that's the thing And I, look, I never thought I would be doing this But I will give Scott Brown a bit of credit yesterday Because he didn't make an article, like Go on like a dick about it to the ref I mean, he goes on like a dick in these games in other ways But uh, it, it, as Cammy said, he just got up and got on with it And then didn't try to use it as, as an excuse His manager did But, uh, you know, uh, that's always going to That's always going to be the case, isn't it? I'll refer,
0: okay. I'll refer listeners back as well, David Just if we want to talk about elbows to the face incidents And in one, I'm fairly sure It was either Iron or Lustig With uh, Daniel Kandias in the game in December is an elbow to the face um, So if you're going to complain about the fact that Flanagan should have got a red card yesterday. Then we should have got a red card back in December. These things are swings and roundabouts, people. It goes for you, it goes against you. But we're impartial enough to be able to say, yes, it was a red or no, it wasn't a red. So as I say, that's about balance.
1: Mm. But uh, I was, I was like, Coggy I was a little shocked. Uh, I suppose I shouldn't be, but I was a little shocked about uh, pundits not knowing fairly basic rule that you can't be given a penalty when the ball's not in play. It's pretty standard. That's why we see a lot of the pushing and shoving goes on before the ball. Comes into the box, uh, as uh, pretty much any football fan would be able to tell you. And uh, the fact that football fans often know more than pundits in Scotland is one of the reasons why we started and mm-hmm. uh, We get to do things that we think you'll be interested in, and one of them is an interview with Michael Beale, the Rangers first team coach, which dropped in our Patreon site this morning. Absolutely fascinating, full of insight just $1.99 per month, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, there's so much great content on there, In the last month alone, if interviews are your thing we've got Michael Beale, Lorenzo Amoruso, Ian Durant, but we've got tons and tons of content, daily shows about Rangers, breakdowns of the match, tactical breakdowns of the match, historical shows you name it, it's on there, you'll have a very good time, it's not just entertainment it's also a community, Uh, I think it's one you'll enjoy joining, so get along to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand one of the other things that we are doing, um, is uh, the first half-hand book being written by Martin Ramsey, as he's compiling the 50 Greatest Rangers games of all time. Yes, of all time. And uh, he's looking for people to submit their top 10. Now, it's important the order in which you choose them, because they they get given points uh, from 1 to 10, as you can imagine. And he's looking for years. Now, there are no real hard and fast rules in place. You don't have to have been at the game. You don't even have to have been alive during it. It can be a game that you think is very important in the annals of Rangers history So for instance uh, I would pick 1972 European Cup Winners Cup Final Even though obviously it was before my time and I wasn't there But I still recognise the importance of it to the club So compile your top 10 And listen, from so far Pretty hard experience It's not easy um, You sit down, you go, oh, yeah, there's 10 And then you go, at but this, oh god, what about that And then there was this It's a very difficult process to get through But once you've done it Send it to Martin at heartandhand.co.uk and that's uh, Martin with a Y, M-A-R-T-Y-N at heartandhand and it's A-N-D not an ampersand. dot co. dot uk by the last day in May because he will shut the he will shut the voting then. Uh, if you do, you'll be entered into a draw to win one hundred pounds in Amazon vouchers. Uh, it's fucking costing me a fortune. this site. I mean, this is this is blue pounds out of my pocket, but uh, yeah, and it, it's a chance to contribute to what will be the definitive book of the greatest matches in Rangers history. And guys, it, it sounds easy, doesn't it? You go, oh, I'll pick my top ten, and then an hour later, you've got like fifty, and you're kind of going, "Well, I can't leave that out." And oh, God, it,
0: it's it was horrible. It's horrible. I, I've I've got mine down to I think eighteen or nineteen. Um, but what's wonderful about what Martin's doing is, um, you mentioned there, Dave, obviously there'll be games which potentially generationally will have come from grandfathers to fathers to sons, et cetera, which although you may personally not have been involved in, you understand the context behind it because it's been drip-fed to you. But it'll also be the same thing as well in terms of games that are really important to you for personal reasons, um, what was happening in the build-up to those games, etc., as well, and, and obviously potentially... Um, you know, a number of different factors coming into it. It's, it's a labour of love.
2: It's, um, remember back to when Martin did his first greatest 50 and it was the greatest 50 goals. Um, and we had the, the three shows on the Patreon site, David. That was exceptionally difficult to do. Um, I wanted, for example, uh, Davy Cooper's free kick from 1985 against Hibs in there. Not many, not many others would have thought about it, but it was that—that that was one that had to be in there, and therefore you're sacrificing something else. That, from bitter experience, I left it to quite near the deadline, and was quite near to the deadline when I hit send. Um, so I would implore: do not wait until eleven fifty-nine p.m. on the thirty-first of May to send, like I probably will. I've even got my old man doing it, David. So there's going to be some toppers in there.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. All generations and uh, like I say, you don't need to have been there. But equally, by the way, you might decide, no, I'm picking 10 games I was at or 10 games that are important to me. That's fine as well. It's entirely up to you. And it's martin at heartandhand.co.uk Okay, just time then to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, to thank my guests. First of all, the lovely Mr. Ian Hogg. Pleasure as always, mate. The splendid Mr. Cameron Bell. Thank you, boys. Thank you. And we'll be back on Thursday as we look ahead to the final match of the season as we go down to Kilmarnock. Until then, have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.